You are listening to the In Focus Church podcast with Pastor Brent Gerard. In Focus Church is a multi-ethnic, multi-generational church in Evans, Georgia, with a mission to love God, love people, and reach the world. Be sure to like, subscribe, and leave a rating wherever you are listening, and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at InFocus Church. We hope this message encourages you and leaves you feeling challenged to see God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Good morning, InFocus family. Hope you all are well. Good to see you. Always an honor and a privilege to be here. Thank you, Pastor Brent. Thank you, Ms. Carla, for the opportunity. I love coming to In Focus. This is my second time coming, and it was a very easy yes. I, and I made a commitment to the Lord, and the commitment is anytime someone asks me to come share the word, that I will always commit it to prayer. But I had, I had to hold myself. <laughs> when I got the email to please consider coming, um, just to make sure like I didn't you know, go ahead of God, but... Got it, was so excited to spawn back and I'm so glad to be with you all. My family sends their greetings. If this is your first time meeting me because I was here last year, it's so good to meet you. I'm glad that you're here. And I just wanna encourage you that you are in a safe home spiritually. And if you're kind of deciding, I pray God gives you his word, but dive in, dive in, join a group, serve. Because it's in those moments that you not only really get rooted into community, something amazing happens. And so, again, if this is your first time, we're so happy you're here, and it's so wonderful to meet you. This morning, I want to share um, something that I believe is for this house, and um, particularly because I think as believers, we often will go to the Lord in prayer. We'll ask him to do a work in our family or to do a work in us. So to do a work in our children or really a work with that coworker that we're almost about to punch, to be honest. You know, like there's just different things that we go to the Lord for. And then there's some things that God speaks to us, promises we read in his word, promises that are given by a word of encouragement, whether prophetically or just someone sending a note or something resonates. We just know that God's going to do something. And I know that over this house, there have been amazing things that the Lord has spoken. And the thing about promises is there's the moment in which the promise is made or the request in prayer is made to the Lord. It's right here. And then there's this trend, this progression as to when it becomes a reality when God answers that prayer. And from there to here, we have to walk it out in faith and hope, believing that God's going to do something. And we often do. But something happens when we get to the cusp of that reality. And for many of us, that reality could actually be an advancement or an acceleration or a promotion, but it is a next. And we get to this place and we feel like, man, there's a wall or I feel like I'm staying in this place and I just can't get to seem to hump over or I can't get to get to the breakthrough, those sorts of things. And so I want to use an analogy to help understand what God is doing, because I believe the Lord is doing something not just in in focus as a collective, but really in your lives as as individuals. 
God is speaking to many of you. I'm sure many of you want to accelerate or you want to move to the next. And so what I think about as I think about this for In Focus is the analogy of a stick shift. Now, there are many of you here that are not quite driving, so I'm going to give you a driving lesson. But how many of you are familiar with a manual transmission or a stick shift? Okay, how many of you have no clue? No shame. Don't worry about it. Oh, wonderful. Okay, you're my people because I'm about to give you a quick lesson. So I grew up in Nigeria. I'm sure you can hear the accent. If you haven't heard it, it will come out at some point. And if you don't understand what I'm saying, don't you worry about a thing. I am secure. Just come grab me and I'll tell you what I was trying to say. But growing up in Nigeria, um, I, we didn't have that many at the time. We didn't have a lot of automatic cars like we drive here where you have two pedals. You have the brake and you have the accelerator or the, car, the, part, the pedal that makes you go fast. Just two things. Well, we had manual transmission vehicles or stick shifts. So I learned how to drive with a stick shift. And looking at the image they're about to put uh, oh, right there is you see that with a stick shift, you actually have three pedals. So basically, your feet and your hands are going to be doing the work that now the cars automatically do. When you're learning to drive a stick shift, there's a finessing. The key thing there is the clutch. The clutch is clutch. Okay, it's a real thing. It's a needed thing. It's a necessary thing. And you need to treat it right because if you treat the clutch wrong, you're going to mess up the whole car. All right, so when you're driving with a clutch, now those of you that haven't driven a stick shift before, first of all, it is fun. If you like to drive really fast, do not drive fast, but it's a really fun thing to go like this when you're driving. So side note, so when you're learning to drive, what happens is you, in order for you to move forward or for you to stop, you have to press down the clutch. In fact, the word uses you have to depress the clutch and then put your feet on the brake to slowly slow the car down. But if you want to move, you press the clutch and you shift what looks like, a, it looks like a stick, but it's a gear, and you tell it which gear to go. Now, the number on the gears are important because the higher the number, the higher your speed. So when you are going from zero to 20 miles per hour, you are on gear one. It's really simple. But when you want to accelerate to the next gear to go faster, what happens is you have to press down the clutch, finesse, you gotta do this real right. Press down the clutch, gently release your feet from the third pedal that you all know, the accelerator, quickly shift from gear one to two, and then simultaneously release from the clutch and press down the accelerator. Now, if you press the clutch down or you release too fast, then the car is gonna jerk. And, some, and that can actually mess up your transmission or the whole car. Now, you're telling me, you're probably thinking, what does that have to do with what you're talking about here? Stick with me, okay? Just stick with me. When you raise the hood and you look at the mechanics of a clutch, what happens is it's two shafts. I'm gonna simplify this as much as I can. Two shafts with gears. One shaft handles the engine. That's what keeps it going. The other shaft connects to the wheels. And so anytime you apply the clutch, because the, the gears, the shafts, they're connected like gears. They're moving together. But when you apply the clutch and you depress the clutch, what happens is there's a quick and temporary disengagement, okay, from the gears, from the shaft which allows you to shift the gear. So basically there's a, another sort of 
something round that lets, the, that lets you know that, okay, this person needs to go to a higher speed. So bring in the right gear so that this shaft that is connected to the clutch can bring the connection, and by the time you press the accelerator, you're going faster. My point in this analogy is sometimes there has to be some depression, or there has to be some kind of pressure, or there has to be some kind of thing that makes it feel like you're not moving forward, but what it's really doing is to disengage for a season of preparation so you can go to the next level in acceleration. Okay? Which brings me to the point that I want to point to out to you all here at IFC, is that if you feel in your personal life like there's nothing going on in spite of the time that you've put in prayer, in spite of the time that you've put in in worship, in spite of the time that you're putting into studying the word, in spite of the time that you're putting in being a part of your small group and doing all the faithful things, and you're saying, God, I'm doing it all right, but I'm not breaking through. I'm not moving forward. I'm here to tell you that just because you don't see what's happening does not mean God is not working. God is moving. And so in the season where it feels nothing is happening, particularly here in IFC, like you've done all the right things, you've gotten those words, and you're like, God, when is the realization? I want to encourage you, embrace this season, because what's happening is it's a season of preparation. And it's a season of waiting, in which, in the waiting, the Lord is transforming your life by the power of the Holy Spirit, preparing you for the next. You see, the next, God doesn't want you to show up for your next the way that you are right now. God doesn't want you to show up for the next opportunity with the clothes that you're wearing right now. He wants to fit you with faith. He wants to apply patience. He wants to develop character so that when you go to the next opportunity, you're not chewed out by the pressures that are waiting for you there. You're not chewed out by the vanity that the enemy will try to use to lure you and divert you away from the purposes of God. But instead, he wants to firm your feet right planted on his word preparing you, building you up by the power of the Holy Spirit. So my main thought for you this morning, if you're taking notes, is simply this. The Holy Spirit transforms us so we can be agents of transformation. So the title is Transformed by the Holy Spirit, Preparation for Next. And we all have a next. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this moment together as we get into your word, valuing the season of waiting. Because it's in this place that you bring true transformation and you change our hearts and transform our thoughts to be in alignment with yours so that, God, we can continue the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the ministry of Jesus here on earth, taking the message of the gospel all over the world. Holy Spirit, would you come and just begin to minister to us in the places that are relevant to our context personally and as together as a congregation. Lord, we trust you. Have your way, mighty God. Take your word and let it do that which you've assigned it to do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Again, the Holy Spirit transforms us so we can be agents of transformation. 
I'm going to read some, some, uh, our scripture today, and it's in three places because it's a continuum. It's a story I want you to capture. And from that story, I want to talk about a people that had, they were going through this moment where they were ministering, and they had this moment of waiting. And what happened in that moment that set them up for the glorious things, or the things that glorify God and was for their good. So if you would meet me in Luke chapter 14. Excuse me, Luke 24, not Luke chapter 14, Luke chapter 24. And I'm going to read from verses 44 through 49, and then we're going to go into Acts chapter 2. So Luke, uh, John, John, excuse me, why do I keep saying John? Luke 24, verses 44. Then he said, when I was with you before, I told you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that this message will be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations, beginning in Jerusalem. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. You are witnesses of all these things. And now I will send the Holy Spirit, just as my father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. So this is just before Jesus ascends. And he's talking to his disciples. And he's telling them life as they know it is about to change. See, for three years, they had been walking with Jesus. They had been doing, seeing Jesus perform miracles. They were growing together. But now Jesus has gone to the cross. He's risen from the dead. And he is about to ascend to heaven. But he tells them, he says, but I'm not just going to leave you willy-nilly. I'm going to give you something that is going to empower you to continue the work that I have begun, to continue my ministry but then he specifically says something he says it's gonna it's gonna go all over the world starting from Jerusalem but he says but wait in the city you see I've read the Bible I'm still reading the Bible I'm a student of the word and I don't know everything I'm still learning but so far when I go into scripture one of the things or the patterns that I notice is that when God is about to do something significant there's always this moment where there's a waiting period and in that waiting, people undermine it so much. And particularly in our culture, everything is instant. We got Instagram. We have Instapot. We have InstaWrites. Everything is instant. And I'm not going to lie to you. I am so thankful for that. I mean, because of Instagram, we can do a lot of things that reach the globe. That I mean, everyone can hear things in just an instant. We can cook in just a moment what would normally take four hours. But there's something that happens when we wait. And the God that we serve is such a patient God that he values moments of waiting. And so Jesus in this moment tells them, wait for the promise. They didn't know what the promise looked like. They didn't know what to expect, but he tells them to wait for the promise. In this season where you're waiting, in this season where it looks like nothing is happening, my encouragement for you, IFC, is to wait for what God is about to do. Because in the season of waiting, what you'll find is you find yourself postured in a place exactly where God wants you because everything he does is timed and connected so that he can bring him glory and it can be for our good. We don't like to wait. But waiting is valuable. Good things come to those who wait, it says. 
There's a power and there's a revelation that happens when we wait. So here they are waiting, which takes us to Acts chapter 2. Verses 1, it says, On the day of Pentecost, which, by the way, was about 50 days from when Jesus gives them this message. Six weeks. I don't know about you. But when I have to wait something for six weeks, it's a long time. But not only is it a long time, Jesus didn't tell them in six weeks or in 50 days. He just told them, wait, which makes it worse. But he's there, here they are on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, they were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be? They exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. And so the promise comes, and it comes with like tongues of fire, falls on them. All of a sudden, they, by the power of the Holy Spirit, they start speaking in languages that they didn't even know. And what's very interesting to testify to the goodness and the power of our Lord God Almighty, God so timed it that it happened on the day of Pentecost. So they had people coming from all over the world and they were there for this, this festival. And here they are listening to these men that they know for sure are Galileans, but they're speaking their language and they're amazed. Now, what I find interesting when you read the rest of the scripture, the whole of chapter two, it says some people said, oh, those people are just drunk. It's so funny because when people want to rationalize what God is doing, sometimes they will say things that are very silly. And you have to be careful what you're listening to. My rationale is if it was three o'clock in the afternoon, which is when they said this happened, and they were drunk, how is it that they're able to learn a full-on language in such a short amount of time? How, can it, how is that possible? But see, sometimes when we don't know, we, don't, we want to push away what God is doing, we begin to apply rationale just to push it away. But then Peter in this moment, filled with the Holy Spirit, the same Peter that denied Jesus in the books before, stands up boldly, begins to preach the gospel, begins to preach the message of repentance. And it says 3,000 people are so touched, they give their hearts to Jesus and the church is formed. But then this takes us to Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, and then I'll expound more. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people, and each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. You have over 3,000 people 
who just heard the message of the gospel from different nations and nationalities. They had different economic backgrounds. They came from different cultural expressions. And all of a sudden, because of the power of the Holy Spirit, not only were they now bounded together in love, but they were sharing meals, they were sharing their possessions, doing life together, and it says that they were so impacted, people around them were so impacted by what they were doing that every single day, people were being added to the church. Can I submit to you, that is the transformative transforming power of the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit in this moment of waiting wants to come into your life both personally and as a church to do something so wild that people can't help but stop you and ask you, what is it that you have that makes you be who you are? Because I want some of that. Can you imagine being in a church where you're just here on a Sunday morning, you're worshiping God so intensely, the power of God falls and it's felt on the streets and all of a sudden cars are just coming in because they're drawn by the presence of God. That's exactly what was happening in Acts chapter 2. I believe that's exactly what God wants to do and God wants to do it in his church. And IFC, I'm here to tell you, God is going to do something like that, but he is preparing you to be ready so that when people come through those doors, you're like, yep, I know what it means. I see what God is doing. I am prepared. I am ready. I am strengthened and I'm going to be present. But he's not just doing that as a church. He's also doing it in your life where you are. What is it that you're believing God for that you haven't seen? What is it that you're crying out for in the middle of the night or is giving you ulcers and you're saying, God, when you, what, are you going to come through? Can I just submit to you, just because you don't see him, just because you don't sense him, does not mean he is not present. He is moving on your behalf, just like the clutch. We might not see it. And honestly, sometimes when we feel that there's some, some kind of pressure or we feel there's some kind of regression, what God is doing, he's positioning us so that we can be ready to shift to the next gear to move in acceleration. So looking at what happened with the early church, they were transformed by the Holy Spirit and as a result began to transform their culture. There are four things that I want to point out to us that happened here as we look into this scripture, particularly looking at the life of Peter, because Peter is one person that was transformed by the Holy Spirit. This is the Peter that was impulsive. This was the Peter that was a know-it-all. This was a Peter that told Jesus, ain't no way I'm going to deny you. And sure enough, even with him saying to Jesus that he's not going to deny him, he does it because he was, he was afraid. But here he is in the gospel, in, in, as we look in the gospel of, of Luke and in, in, the, in, the, in the book of Acts, where he steps out and he begins to address everyone with boldness. How is that able to happen? It's because there was a transformative power of the Holy Spirit. They were filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. So when you are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, he transforms you. And the first thing that he does that I want to submit to you is he enlightens purpose. Every single one of you in this room, every single one of you that are listening right now to the message, God has a purpose for you. And I am convinced of this because in Ephesians chapter 2, specifically in verses 10, it says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us, as a, uh, created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. I'm always encouraged by this scripture because what this lets me know is your presence here is not by mistake. 
Even if your parents told you that, oh, you were just a mistake, or maybe you've heard the word where you weren't wanted, or for whatever reason you feel like you're marginalized or you're forgotten, I want you to know that maybe man can say that about you, but God does not whisper that about you. God is not saying that about you. Every single one of you has an assignment. Every single one of you has a purpose that God wants you to fulfill to the glory of his name. And see, when the enemy, the enemy knows that the moment that we understand what our assignment is, the moment that we understand what our purpose here on earth is, there's nothing that can stop us, particularly when God reveals it to us. So his intention is to derail that. His intention is to undermine that. But I want to let you know that when we are filled with the Holy Spirit and he transforms us, he begins to transform our thoughts. He begins to transform our mind, like it says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 23. And the reason we know this is because in John 14, verse 26, Jesus is talking to the disciples, preparing them for his for his uh, crucifixion. But he says, but when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything. The Holy Spirit teaches us things that we don't know. And the way he does it is when you get into your word and you're reading your devotionals every day and you're reading that word regularly, he begins to illuminate the truth. He begins to reveal to you your roles. He begins to tell you what the Lord is calling you to do. He begins to transform your hearts and your mind. Transformation by the power of the Holy Spirit and revelation comes when we not just read the word, but we actually do what it says. See, the more you do what the word says, the more revelation you're going to understand, the more the Holy Spirit illuminates the path that God has for you. Every single one of you has an assignment. I love coming to In Focus, particularly because I love the worship experience. Everyone is in sync, in consortium, every, it's harmonious, it's melodious, everyone is playing their part. But listen, when you take it all apart, when you hear it separately at first, it's not going to sound like it's going to go together. Your purpose, when it's worked in concession with everyone else, will complement in and will crescendo into this big purpose that not only honors God, it makes maximum impact. The Holy Spirit will enlighten your purpose. That's what he's going to do. But not only does he enlighten your purpose and give you purpose to what God is calling you to do, number two, he gives you endurance in times of pressure. We are all going to deal with some kind of pressure. The pressure is going to come from within, maybe our thoughts or guilt from past experiences. And that's the job of the enemy. His job is to undermine what God is speaking to you. His job is to make you feel confused about your purpose because he knows is that if he can get that, if he can steal away the purpose or steal away an understanding of who God's called you to be, then you're going to be walking around confused. There are also pressures outside, life pressures, diagnosis, financial pressures, friendship pressures, family pressures, whatever that is, or even comparison, looking at what other people are doing and trying to figure out, well, where am I in my life? And those things can cloud our judgment. But see, when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, and he begins to transform you. He begins to strengthen you so you are not pressured. So you don't cave into the pressure and you don't give up and then begin to find yourself diverted from the purposes of God. 
And the way that he does that, he reminds us of what the word of God says. Going back to John 14, verse 26, the other half of it, Jesus says, and, I will rem- and he will remind you of everything I told you, I've told you. See, the Holy Spirit reminds us of what God's word says. How many of you here have done freelance jobs or you're, you're in contract work? You may have heard of the word scope creep. Anybody heard of scope creep? Okay, for those of you that don't know what it is, scope creep is when you have a contract. You and a second party have agreed to do a particular type of work. You've stated what, you're expect, what they should expect you to, to do, and you know that you're, they're expected to pay you. Scope creep happens when they start to begin to do things that is outside of the contract. So specifically, I used to own a stationary business designing wedding stationaries. And when I would have a client, I would say, all right, this is how much you've agreed to pay. This is how many invitations I'm going to supply. And this is how many times I'm going to give you three renditions of a design. After three renditions, you have to pay extra. Scope creep happens when the bride then comes and says, well, I really like that concept, but can you go and do this again? Can we change that from purple to blue? Oh, maybe we can do this font and not this font. And so by the time you're done, you've had like 20 renditions. Has that happened to anybody in here? That's scope creep. See, the enemy's job is to create scope creep in our lives. Because he knows that if he can confuse us and deviate us away from the purposes of God, then we're going to miss what God is going to have us do. When we don't don't understand our assignment, we find ourselves in places we have no business being in. And then when 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 we don't understand our assignment in times of pressure, we will just cave into anything. You see, Peter, knowing, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, the same one that denied Jesus three times, when he was questioned in chapters, Acts chapter 3 and 4, he stood before the religious leaders, and they were pressuring him to stop preaching the gospel. He looked them dead in the eye. He says, we will not stop. Why? Because he understood that the gospel needed to go to the ends of the earth. He understood that the power of the Holy Spirit was given to them to continue the work of God, because there are some things that we cannot do on our our own strength. There are some situations you cannot change on your own power. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit, when he transforms us, he enlightens our purpose in Christ. He helps us to endure purpose, pressure. But here's another thing that he does, which is number three. He gives us his empowering presence. See, the Holy Spirit is not just in our lives to show us what God is calling us to do and to give us strength to withstand pressure, but he's also going to come. He's with us, in us, upon us, and he allows us to continue the ministry of Jesus in power. You know, I'm looking at the life of Peter here. It says in Acts chapter 3, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, people being added to the church, and they were performing signs and miracles, pointing Jesus, pointing people back to Jesus. It says he was, he walked into the temple gate ready for prayer and there was a man that had been there for years lame. His life was all centered around asking for money because back in that culture, if you had any kind of disability, you were really marginalized and you couldn't work. And so here he was at the lowest part of the economic status, trying to make life work, begging for money. 
You see, but Peter and John, filled with the Holy Spirit, transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit, walk and they see him and they look at him and they say, you know what? I don't have money, but what I have, I'll give to you. And they say, in the name of Jesus, pick up your mat and walk. And the man's life changes in an instant. See, when you are transformed by the Holy Spirit, you begin to walk with the swagger knowing that the Lord God Almighty is with you. You're going to go into your job. That's that job that you're so discontented with, that job that makes you so frustrated. But all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit begins to highlight your purpose there. He begins to help you with all the pressures and the integrity issues that you're facing with coworkers. And all of a sudden, now you can walk in with with not just understanding the purpose, but with the power of the Lord God Almighty. You begin to speak to situations in your job. Begin to pray for people that are are in confusion or dealing with pressures. You begin to talk to situations. Maybe there's something going on in your job and you don't know what to do. And all of a sudden, God begins to give you wisdom. I remember me personally when I worked, I was working for a major university many years ago. And my job was to go around and just share about a scholarship opportunity. This scholarship opportunity actually would look for students in the seventh grade. They were awarded the scholarship in the eighth grade, and this scholarship will follow them all the way through graduate school. So it was a big deal. I had sent out word to thousands of families about this scholarship opportunity, but what I didn't know was somehow it was delayed with the posting system, and the parents got the letters two days before the deadline. What was very interesting about this opportunity too is they had a lot, the application process was about 30 pages long because it was a commitment. And part of the application was going and asking their teachers for recommendations and they were going on spring break. Parents from all over the nation, like the southern part of the nation were calling the office. Some even threatened to sue me. For here I was at home, I had taken the day off because I was going to a wedding. So all of a sudden, I'm reading my emails, and I'm like, what's going on in the office? Because everybody's looking for Bomi. And then I get a call from one of our customer representatives, and she says, Bomi, our phone has been blowing up. You need to come into the office. And I'm like, what happened? They're like, parents are just getting this letter, and they're saying they're going to sue us, and they're going to sue you because you just sent it to them. As you can imagine, I'm thinking my job is on the line. But in that moment, I remembered something. I have an advocate. I have a representative. There's a power that I can lean on. It's not mine, it's Jesus. And so in that moment, I paused, I pushed my suitcase away. I said, God, I need your wisdom. Can you please help me? You are the God of all wisdom. Instantly, I hear this thought. Look for a phone system that can disseminate one message but send it out to thousands of people. Call the foundation and send them and ask them for an extension. The foundation had never given an extension before and they never have since then. But I called them in that moment. I told them the situation. They said, we'll call you back. Within 10 minutes, they call me back and they said, Bomi, it's because it's you. Really, it's because it's the Holy Spirit, but we're going to extend this deadline. They extend the deadline by two weeks. I look, I go on Google because Google has a lot of answers, and I look for this phone service. I find one. I make a quick payment. I send out the messages. I also send out a mass email, and within 30 minutes, 
These families were able to apply for this scholarship. I didn't lose my job. And God took a situation that was so dire, but by the power of the Holy Spirit and his empowering presence gave me wisdom that helped me in that circumstance, in that situation. If God can do that, how much more your circumstance and your situation, how much more when something dire happens in Evans or in Augusta, and all of a sudden God gives IFC the wisdom, God gives IFC the word of knowledge, God gives IFC the, the wisdom, the resources to be an answer to the earthly challenges because you all have the heavenly solutions by the power of the Holy Spirit. So when we are transformed by the Holy Spirit, he enlightens purpose, he gives us endurance in times of pressure, and then he gives us his empowering presence to continue with his ministry. And number four, which is my final point, this is all happening for eternal impact. We all want to leave a legacy, but God is the builder of legacy, and he wants to build his legacy. His legacy is to reconcile everyone back to him because he created us. He created us to worship him. He created us to give him glory. But in that, he also wants to do things in our lives for our good. And so he wants you to live a life that is very fulfilling as you complete and partner with him to fulfill his ultimate mission, to bring his glory from heaven, the kingdom come here on earth. God is a generational God. Everything he does is designed to span through generations and echo through all eternity. When he fills us with his spirit and we allow him to transform our thoughts and attitudes through his power and word, the effects transform our families. They transform our jobs. They transform our relationships and they transform our culture. The power of the Holy Spirit so changed the early church that they were moved to bring all their possessions so they could actually share them and be a benefit to everyone around them, everyone in the culture. And not only that, they were so impactful in their culture because they were known to be a people that actually would go and rescue children that were abandoned because they were either dealing with a deformity or rescue children. They were given up for sacrifice for whatever reason. They would bring them and bring them as their own no strings attached and raised them in the way of the Lord. People took notice so much so that they joined the church. As I land this plane, this is what I want to say to you, IFC. Don't despise your season of waiting. Don't undermine it because in that moment, God wants to fill you up with his spirit continually to transform you for your next. I don't know what your next is. I don't know what it is. Maybe you're single and you're saying, God, when is my bull ass going to show up? God, in the season of waiting, is preparing you for the next. Maybe you've been praying for a promotion because you need that money. You're believing God for financial increase. There are several things you want to do. And you're saying, God, I've done everything. I've gone to school. I have all the credentials. I've done everything they've told me. But it seems like I'm not being noticed. Let me tell you, obscurity is the best uh, feeding ground or the best petri dish for God to fill you with his spirit. So that when it's time and he reveals who you are in his glory for the thing that he sets you to do, you are prepared for it. 
Maybe you're saying, we're believing for growth in this church. It's about time. When is this going to happen? When it does, I want you to know that if you will submit to this season where it feels like nothing is happening, submit to God in this season and let him begin to transform your thoughts, begin to expand your your, your tents, for, for, if you will. Begin to speak to you, whether you're in high school and you're, he's saying, God says, I want to use you, there's future for you. And he's teaching you how to preach the gospel to your peers. He's showing you how to speak up so that that bully does not push or continue in what they're doing. He's asking you to speak up to someone who is often in the corner and they're dealing with things that they're not even telling anybody about. God is preparing you. I don't know what God is doing in your life, but I am convinced of this one thing. This is the beginning of a great revival and God wants to use this church. So if you are here, And you say, I want to be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit so that I can be an agent of transformation wherever God has put me. Or you're saying there's a situation in which I need the power of the Holy Spirit to see God move in a way that I've never seen him move. If that is you, I want you to raise up your hands because I want to pray for you. Now, let me tell you, Some of you are going to feel something different when I pray. And some of you, you're not gonna sense anything, but you're gonna go back into that situation that you left before you came here and something's gonna be different. When you see that, this is what I wanna tell you. You say, Holy Spirit, I see you moving. I want more, I want more, I want more. So Heavenly Father, all hands raised, we reach out to you. Holy Spirit, you said, I've seen it in your word. God, even in Acts chapter 4, where Peter comes back, Lord Jesus, after standing against the leaders, standing before the leaders, telling them he is going to continue to do the work of the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they come together praying. It says the Holy Spirit filled them and the room shook. Lord, I am asking, in the name of Jesus, fill us up afresh and fill us up anew right now. God, shake up our rooms and shake up our situations. God, shake our minds and begin to fill us with your truth. Begin to fill us with your word. God, we don't want to be the same. Holy Spirit, we're asking you right now, fill us up afresh. Fill us up anew. Transform us in Jesus' name. Make us agents of change, God. Let us burn for you. God, I ask in Jesus' name that you will so transform us, oh God, that there will be an inclination, a longing to study the word. God, an inclination, a longing to memorize scripture, an inclination, a longing, God, to not just read the word, to not just memorize the scripture, but to actually do what it says. Lord, I'm asking in the name of Jesus that, Lord, words of life will come out of our mouth and it will keep people from the pathway of destruction. Lord, I ask God, would you, Lord, take the 
roof off and begin to fill this house. Lord, where there is stagnation, in the name of Jesus, we break it. In Jesus' name, we ask for breakthrough. We thank you, God, that we are ready for the next. We're asking, God, that we will not miss your preparation. Holy Spirit, in this moment, fill us up. Fill us up. Fill us up. Right now, Lord, we thank you, mighty God. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the In Focus Church podcast with Pastor Brent Gerard. In Focus Church is a multi-ethnic, multi-generational church in Evans, Georgia, with a mission to love God, love people, and reach the world. Be sure to like, subscribe, and leave a rating wherever you are listening, and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at InFocusChurch. Church.